Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning, and thank you, Evan, for doing such a wonderful job leading singing, and uh, it's an exciting day here at Lindsley Avenue because uh, it's a day in which we're going to have a meal together, and so that's a good way to start the year out in 2019 is to break some bread and enjoy fellowship with one another, and I'm thankful to see some faces that were out sick in the, in the last few weeks, and we're glad that you're feeling better, and prayers that you will continue to get better. Uh, so welcome and thank you for making the beginning of 2019 the first Lord's Day here at Lindsley Avenue. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning, and our lesson text is Philippians chapter 3, 12 and following but about the new year. And at this time of year, at the beginning of a new year, a lot of times what we like to do is what? We like to set goals, don't we? Commonly, we like to think of those as resolutions, things that we want to get right in 2019, or goals that we have, dreams that we have. So the year can start out in an optimistic and hopeful way, right? And I hope that this year you're putting some things on paper or thinking in a reflective way. What can I do this year? Uh, How do I want to live out this year? And having some goals. So this sermon today is about goals and about resolutions to some degree. When we think about Christianity, sometimes people maybe have the false impression that it's just kind of something that you end up uh, kind of believing and you come to this conclusion about it and that's pretty much it. That you kind of just say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But the Christian life is so much more profound and dynamic than that. It's more than just an idea. It, it, It involves every aspect of our being. One writer once put it like this, faith is not a conclusion you reach. It's a journey you live. Now I want you to think about in the context of this new year, faith isn't a conclusion you reach, but it's a journey that you live. You see, faith is a journey. It's something that we're doing together. It's something that we haven't come to the end of. It's actually that we're always looking forward to. And it's a dynamic thing. It's a thing that's changing. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. He says, the just shall live by faith. You see, faith is something that directs us inward and outward and forward and upward in every way. It takes part of every aspect of our life. It isn't just some conclusion and you say, yes, I believe and that's it. No, it's in every part of your life. Faith is permeates the life. Faith should be a part of every part of your life. And faith is a journey. You know, I'm reminded of the journey of Abraham in Hebrews 11:8, where it says that by faith, Abraham, he went out not knowing where he was going. Isn't that something? But when Abraham received the call from God to, to begin that journey to the promised land, he went out And he didn't have all the answers. He didn't know exactly where he was going. But he still went out. 
And ultimately, that's what faith is. It's, it's taking hold and believing God at His Word and wherever you are in that journey. They say that a step, that a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, and I think that's true. Unless you take that first step, that journey will never be completed. So today is about an ending and about getting to that journey. We think about achievement. And we all have different ideas about achievement, don't we? What is the measure of success? And so some of your resolutions may reflect what you think success is. But when we begin to think about what the world offers as success, when we start to think about money, when we start to think about fame, when we start to think about those kinds of things, are they really satisfying? The great Solomon, when he looked at his life in the book of Ecclesiastes and he lived a life of opulence, he lived a life of wisdom. He lived a life of fame. He lived a life of pleasure. And when he got to the end of thinking about it, he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That when he looked at his achievements, when he looked at his wealth, he says, there's really not a lot to it. I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy. And when we come to Christ, he forces us to let go of all those definitions of success that we had before. And he says this, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Those are strong words, aren't they? That whatever your idea, whatever your impressions of success is, he says, you got to let them go. Because ultimately, success isn't rooted in this world. Success isn't rooted in your own achievements. Success is rooted in something else. And it's ultimately about control and surrendering that control and that direction in our life to Him. How many of you, when you came to church, got in a vehicle that had two steering wheels in it? How many of you got... Y'all don't have a car with two steering wheels? Well, I got one out there. No, I don't. I think they figured out in the car industry a long time ago that it's dangerous to have a car with two wheels, isn't it? But ultimately, spiritually, we try to live lives where we have two steering wheels in the car. We say, here, God, here's the steering wheel, but I'm going to keep mine. But it's dangerous, isn't it? Ultimately, we need to give God the control of our life. Jesus said it like this, you cannot serve two masters for either you will love the one or hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So we have to trust in God. That ultimately, that the future that He plans for you and that He holds for you, that He's directing you to, is better than what you can do. The plans that God has for you are better than the plans you have for yourself. Because He knows better than I do. He knows better. But it's scary to let go of control, isn't it? 
It's scary to let God have control because I think I can do it better. But we'll never get anywhere if we keep doing it our way. Courage was remarked by Faulkner, you cannot swim for new horizons until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. You'll never get anywhere new if you're always clinging to what's behind you. And ultimately, the way that I do things and the way that I want to do things is the, needs to be the shore that I'm leaving. Because God knows better for your life than I do and that you do. And hope is expecting. I like this verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that says this, and it says it so plainly, so forcefully. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When you think about the hope and the plans and the destiny that God has for you, they will not disappoint because God knows better than we do. So today I want us to talk about and to think about focus. What am I focusing on? Because focus is what life is really all about. What are you truly focusing on in your life? Because if you start focusing on the wrong things, then guess what? You're trading your life for things that don't really matter. And the last time I checked, I want to live for things that matter, don't you? Jesus said it like this, that what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And ultimately, if we're living lives for things that don't matter, we're giving our life, our soul to things that don't matter. Our focus reveals things, doesn't it? What you focus on reveals who you are. Whatever you're focusing on. It also brings into focus things that are clear. What you focus on shows what your priorities are, what matters to you. But most importantly, you know what focus does? It directs your energy towards whatever you're focusing on. So what are you focusing on in your life? Let's look at what Paul has to say in Philippians chapter 3. In the first thing that he tells us is that he's not there yet. Which is kind of comforting for me. He says, I have not attained. Listen to him. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count it myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The first thing that Paul tells us in his own life, and he lived a life of achievement. He was a smart guy. He was an educated guy. He says the first thing is, is that I haven't attained anything. I am not perfect. I am a work in progress. Does that resound with anybody in the room? It does with me. That word perfected comes from the Greek tilios, which means purpose and maturity. That when Paul looked at his life, he says, you know what, I have not fulfilled all the purposes that God has for my life. I'm still here for a reason. 
I've still got work to do. I've still got meaning. I still have things that God wants me to do. And ultimately, that's the same for you in 2019. You're here for a reason. God has you on this earth for a purpose. He's got work for you to do. And God is creating still through humanity. Jesus said in John 5, 17, listen to this. My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. God is still fulfilling His creative purposes in humanity through us, through His church. And Christ is the pinnacle of that creative power spiritually, morally, and eternally. That if you want to know true purpose, true meaning, it's in Christ. So when we think about this, the good old day mentality isn't what we have. A lot of people walk around living in the past, don't they? We got two different types of people. We got those who try to run from the past, and then we got some people who just live in the past. But Paul says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me. I'm getting rid of those things because I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Ahead, Jesus said it like this, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. You don't look behind when you're plowing a field. If you do, I can tell you your rows are going to be crooked. You can, you can apply that to mowing the lawn, Evan, right? It's hard to mow the lawn looking behind, isn't it? Looking forward. So here's the dilemma. Our earthly mentality when we look towards the future, there's something certain that we all face. And the dilemma is, how can we look forward when death is in front of us? And Paul makes it very clear that not only are we looking forward, but he says we're looking upward. Listen to this, verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says not only are we looking forward, and the reason why we can look forward is because it's not only forward, it's upward. That our destination isn't just the graveyard or a nice urn on someone's shelf. That not only are we looking forward, but we're looking upward because God has transcended our lives for us in Jesus Christ. Abraham Lincoln once said it like this, Surely God would not have created such a being as man with the ability to grasp the infinite to exist for a day. No, no, man was made for immortality. Lincoln himself saw that there is something so unique and special about man that God wants you to live beyond one day. So in Christ, we throw off these cares. We throw off these burdens. We throw off the manacles of death, the shackles of the world. And it says that He presses towards that goal. And unless we put that in our minds as our goal, we're not going to get it. And that word press means to stretch, 
And when I think about when he says, I press towards the goal, he's stretching. He's using every bit of energy. It's concentrated. It's committed to grabbing hold of that goal. Have you ever seen a ball player try to catch a fly ball? All of their focus, all of their attention is on what? Is on that ball. And I've seen many a good ball player run into the wall. Flip over because their eyes are on the prize. Their eye is on the ball. You see that in basketball. They jump out into the, into the crowd trying to retrieve the ball. You see that in football. You see it in sports. You see it at the finish line. The finish line, the runner stretches himself out. He puts all of his energy, all of his being into that. Why? Because there is a point. There is a goal. And as Christians, let me tell you, our lives are not aimless, worthless, meaningless, pointless. There's a goal. And Paul says that hope does not disappoint. And he says this in verse 15, that maturity is having this mentality, is keeping this mentality of forward and upward. Therefore, let us as many are mature, having this mind, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be the same mind. He says, maturity is persevering. Maturity is staying focused on that goal in your life. Because let me tell you, any fool, I'm talking about myself, I'm not talking about you, can start something. My wife will tell you I start stuff all the time. Hey, you need to do this project, you need to do that. I get out there, I start it up. Still got some unfinished projects around the house. Anybody else? Anybody can start something. But Paul says maturity is persevering in that goal. Finishing it. The only other time that Paul uses that idea of a prize is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 where he describes the Christian life as an athlete. And he says, do you not know that those who run in a race, we're on a journey here, all run, we're all in this race together, whether you like it or not, you're in the race. You're breathing. But one receives the prize. That's not how it is in Christianity. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. It's how you run the race, he says. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Well, how do you do that, he says. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, self-controlled in all things, for they do not obtain it as a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. We're running in this race to receive an imperishable crown. And we have to run in a way that is self-controlled, orchestrating all of our efforts and our energies into this calling. And what does he say? Listen to this. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Not with uncertainty. If you're running the race, if you're on this journey of faith, you don't have to run it with uncertainty. And he says, thus I fight 
not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others that I myself should become disqualified. Paul says, you got to keep going. you got to keep persevering. Robert Louis Stevenson said it like this, saints are sinners who kept on going. And for 2019, I want you to persevere. I want you to lay hold of that prize and keep going. You think about Job. We think about him as, a, as an example of perseverance. Amen. He suffered. But he didn't curse God, did he? No. You know who else I think about? And, and we usually don't put them in that category. But Joshua and Caleb... And the thing about Joshua and Caleb is, is that they did everything right, but they still had to endure the consequences of other people's behavior. Do you remember the story that they, they were at the promised land? They came back. They were the two spies out of the 12 spies that says, hey, we can go in there. We can conquer it. And then all the naysayers came out and they said, no, we can't do it. And as a result, the people of Israel had to wonder for 40 years. And Joshua and Caleb had to wonder with them too. And sometimes we're wondering because we have to wonder with everybody else. They persevered. They made it to the promised land. Paul puts it right when he says in Philippians 3, the next thing he says is listen to this, parents. Listen to this, teachers. Listen to this, brethren, join in fellowship, join in following my, my example. And note, those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. This is where Paul starts preaching to me. He says what? Follow my example. The greatest sermons on earth aren't delivered by a preacher in front of a church. The greatest sermons are the ones that are lived out at your work and in your home and in your schools. Paul says, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. That's a different sort of a preacher, isn't it? I can't always stand up here and say that. But Paul says, look at my life and then do. I am a pattern for you. I'm living it out. I am walking in this way. An example is so powerful, isn't it? Schweitzer said it like this, example is not the main thing influencing others, it's the only thing. And I believe it. Words are cheap, aren't they? So, persevering. But Paul says this, there's going to be challenges. Not only are there going to be challenges in you trying to persevere through this journey of life and following Christ, there's actually going to be opposition. There's going to be people who oppose you. There's going to be people who don't like the honesty. Who don't understand the lovingness. They don't understand the kindness. He says in verse 18, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. It's breaking Paul's heart here that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. 
There are people who are enemies. They may not even know it. They are externally against what is true and what is loving. But Paul says, why is that? It's because of what's going on inside of them. Internally, look at verse 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who have set their mind on earthly things. He says the reason why there is this external opposition is because people have lost the war within themselves. The reason why there are enemies to the cross, the reason why there is enemies to good, the reason why there is enemies to justice, it's because people have lost that war within themselves. And instead of desiring good, they desire whatever feels good or that benefits them materially and whose mind are on earthly things. Then Paul gets to the point of what the prize is. He says this, "For for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. The interesting thing about the city of Philippi is that it was a Roman colony. And so when these people in Philippi, this letter that it's addressed to, when they heard citizenship, they immediately thought about the citizenship that they enjoyed in Rome. And they had all the luxuries of a Roman life. They had the benefits of military protection, the roads and the Roman justice and law and so on. And so they were proud to be Romans and they were citizens of Rome. Paul says, but don't forget, you got a dual citizenship. It's actually you have a citizenship to somewhere else. A heavenly citizenship. And we eagerly wait for the transformation of these broken bodies to be like Christ. And it says this, that in verse 21, that He is able. He is able. That you don't have to rest on your own achievements. That you don't have to rest on your own energies, but that He is able to bring you through this. So what I'm telling you today is, don't give up. Don't ever give up. No matter what is befalling you, or no matter how many times you fall, don't give up that you have a forward and upward call. God is calling you right now. And don't give up. And the way that we don't give up is by keeping our eyes focused on the prize. Hebrews 12, 2 says it like this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ endured And He is the author and the finisher. He can complete the work He has begun in you. One of the things that A.W. Tozer says was to have found God and still pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love. And isn't that an interesting statement that 
that while we find God, that while we find God in church and while we find God in each other and while we find God in Scripture, even though we find Him, love is still pursuing Him. So continue to persevere in your faith in 2019. This morning, if you're not a Christian, the Bible says that to begin that life in the kingdom of God, you got to start all over. It says in John chapter 3 that if any man desires to be in the kingdom of heaven, let him be born again. That it's a new consciousness, it's a new awareness, new values, new priorities. And it says that if any man desires to be born again, let him be born of the water and of the Spirit. And the Bible says that begins in faith, begins in repentance and confession and baptism in water. And by that, we surrender our will to His. And that begins that walk, that journey of faith that ends in a prize. It ends with Christ. It ends with this lowly body being transformed into Him. Or today, if you need prayers of encouragement or healing, we're here with you to do that. So we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. If you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand as we sing.